Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Tifosi Football Radio. My name is Christian Logan Santacchio. And this is Juliano Caleri. And it is Monday, October the 18th. Thanks again for joining us today. A lot to talk about. Match day 8 is almost complete. And in the books with one more game to play, Fiorentina-Venezia. Uh, but it's been a very entertaining match day, I would say, back from the international break. I would say a lot of refs getting becoming influential in the games and stuff like that. Sure. A little bit of controversy. We'll cover all that. We'll of cover course. all that. Uh, Champions League coming up uh, this week. Pivotal for City Yacht Clubs. Yeah, Europa League as well for some clubs, and but the Conference League is pretty much a wash. Um, so we got that upcoming, and uh, very quickly uh, a huge win. The last time before we went off air. We previewed Canada-Panama. Huge win for Canada. Uh, fantastic game. So Canada now sitting in the top three in World Cup qualifying. Yeah. So congratulations to them. Outstanding. Poor showing by the staff at BMO. Yeah, MLSC. some people not getting in until the 60th minute of the game. Of yeah, the just... game, And they showed up an hour before. I mean, my apologies for that. MLSC really needs to step that up. But uh, the next games in November go in Edmonton, the home games. So very pivotal performance coming up, which we'll preview uh, in the coming weeks when we get to that international break. But uh, right now, Canada, everybody, sitting in third place, undefeated right now in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. So let's move on to match day nine in Serie A. Started with uh, Spezia Salernitana. Exciting game. We have our... Our second sacking of the season, Castori. Surprised by this. It wasn't like they were playing bad no, football. They haven't been playing bad considering what yeah. cards Castori was dealt. You know, the the stuff with Lotito before the season in regards to the ownership. Salernitana heading into the city. I was a mess, players-wise, and, and yeah. no one knew what to expect from them. And it's basically the exact same team aside from Simi and Bonazzoli uh, coming up from City of B. So this is essentially a City of B team pieced together by uh, Castori, who brought them up. and yet, For me, personally, has been playing pretty decent football. Yeah, the first few games were a little ugly, but uh, he they've been a little more... They've been more consistent now. And, uh, you know, they went up in this game. And, I mean... It's a nice goal from Simi. Joel yeah. be beautiful assist on yeah, the volley. That was a beautiful dangle. Beautiful yeah. switch to the left or the mm-hmm. right foot. And, and, and way to score your first goal for Salernitana. Yeah. But then two goals, like Vid Belich played fantastic in net for Salernitana. Yeah. And then, you know, that second goal especially, like what do you expect from the goalkeeper here? I mean, it's uh, Spezia was the favorite to win this game. They won this game. I didn't think they would, but th- they... They played good attack. And they, they did. Thiago Motta setting up the team a bit different from it, from what he's usually done. They set it up in, uh, in a four, two pivots three attack midfielders, one striker, so 4-2-3-1. Emmanuel Yassi, who usually starts as a left winger, was actually dropped to the left wing back position. Uh, we knew these teams were both injury riddled, so I don't know if that was due to necessity or out of uh, a weakness maybe he saw in the Salernitana defense. Guillaume Bear went out early in the game with an injury as well, so Salernitana did have to make some adjustments early on. But... Uh, Overall, it was a typical game for Spezia, controlling, tons of chances, keeping the goalie busy. Um, went down early, like we said, 39th minute, Yassi scored, but then Spezia just kept pouring it on through persistence, and it, and it came together. They brought on even more strikers after Ray Manai uh, came on, Daniele yeah. Verde. So 
more weapons coming off uh, the bench for Spezia. Yeah. I still don't think good enough to stay in City. Yeah. I think both these teams will be gone at the end of the day. But uh, huge points for Spezia at the end of the day. Yeah, it was a big, big win for them. So now the new man, Stefano Colantuono, coming in for Salernitana. So people who don't know, Stefano Colantuono's last job was with uh, Salernitana back in uh, the 2017-2018 season. He was a technical director at San Benedettese. Who are in Serie C. Yeah, so he's he stepped away from that. Uh, and now, like you said, has taken up the managerial position from Rome. He's a Roman counterattack and style coach. Do you think, Christian, that he, do you think he does better with this team than Castori could do? I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't seem like, to me, I'm not really convinced. I mean, he's had spells at Udinese, body even. Yeah, um, some some of his more popular or bigger appointments, I should say, was Catania. Catania, 0304, too. Atalanta, Palermo, Torino. It's been a long time. And with who was rumored to come in, I was actually more inclined. I would have actually preferred if they brought back, if they resurrected the man in the hat and brought back Beppe Iacchini because I think that, I think this team suits Beppe Iacchini a lot more than Colantuono. Colantuono, it's been a long time since he's been in the top flight in Italy. He's going to have to adjust quickly. Yeah, th- this is a, a panic move by the owners. I they, think so. They just want defense first, yeah. goal second. That's that's all they're looking for. Yeah, we'll see what kind of adjustments he makes. <sighs> Doesn't average a lot of points per no. game. No, he's got a he's got a contract till the end of uh, 2022, yeah. the season. So the end of June 2022, so the end of the season, and with an option to extend if they stay in City. Yeah, which we'll we don't see. think he happen. doesn't last longer than a year usually anywhere. So on average, yeah. he leaves after a year. Yeah. So Down, panic, so. but we wish him all the best. Hope yeah. he proves us wrong. Uh, moving on to the next game. Yes. Lazio, three to one victors over Inter. A surprise. Surprise Surpri- victory. It was a surprise. It was a surprise. La- Lazio have been hard to pin down as to what they're great at. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say Lazio played. They deserved the win. They didn't play great. I, I think it was more so Inter lost this game than Lazio won. Yeah. There was a bit of controversy. Uh, Inter winning an, a, a penalty through Barella. High side. Was that a penalty? on the back of his leg. It was a soft penalty, but it is a soft. penalty because high side, she's swinging at the ball yeah. when he's when there's no control, and he does hit Barala. So there's a penalty there. Uh, and then there was a bit of controversy. Uh, I mean, Chiro gets his penalty, but then there was a bit of controversy in the game where Federico Di Marco goes down off of Lucas Leva, tackle in the middle, middle of the park. Ball goes to Lautaro. He goes in, takes a shot, and then Lazio do a quick counterattack. And then uh, Felipe Anderson ends up getting the goal through through various passes. Um, and then there was a huge melee after Handanovic freak. And now Lautaro getting in the faces of, of the Lazio players. And to me, in all honesty, I don't see anything wrong with what Lazio did. I was going to say, because Inter played the ball first, They right? did. and But not only that, I think for me, yes, Di Marco did get a knock. But yeah. this is the reputation the sport has. These guys go down way too easy. Yeah. They go down way too easy. They should maybe get on their feet a little bit more, play the game. Like unless you're really hurt. Yeah. And he was fine after. And he was fine after. Get up. Your team's being counterattacked. That's a learning. And you're laying learning, down on the ground. To that's me, a learning experience. Yeah. To me, it's a, it's a bit embarrassing that attitude and it's something I want to see out of soccer. I think yeah. I think Federico Di Marco went down uh, way too easy, and he didn't get back up when he easily could have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's not like your legs broken. It's not like you have a a career-ending injury over here you're just it's a little knock yeah. get up and 
and and go and go prove that you want to win the game. So I don't think I think it was unfair the way Lautaro attacked Felipe Anderson. I think it was unfair uh, the way Handanovic went after them as well after the Lazio players. But it's it's out of it's out of anger and out of their own doing. Uh, Inter. And then uh, after that, Milinkovic Savic gets a header because so Inter then starts to, to press. And it was a good header. It was a beautiful header. Sadi gets credit because he exposed Inter's system at that point because Simone yeah. Inzaghi made some subs to go more offensive with the center backs. Uh, and Sadi picked the right out, and then it was game over. And then a weird red card at the end for Luis Felipe who jumps on Correa's <laughs> back for anyone that didn't see it. And then yeah. Correa starts elbowing him in the stomach. It's like, who is this guy? And then he says he was joking. It was a very strange uh, event, but red card for him, so he's going to be missing uh, the next week. But just to focus on the game itself and not talk about those issues, I am not convinced yet by Simone Hidzaghi. I was joking before the season started. I think he was Conte light. You know, he he uh, he doesn't provide anything different. He's more of an offensive coach, yes. He likes to get the ball and play it on the ground more, Yes. You can see the changes he's made. But the defensive side of the game, which was Inter's strength, I think they had the best defense last year. They've already conceded 11 goals in eight games. Mm -hmm. It is terrible. The defense has been a shambles. And it's the same defensive core that he inherited. Yeah. Uh, So I I don't know what's going on there. I'm not going to blame certain players. I think it's more of a system thing. And I'm I'm still not convinced someone in Zaghi has the ability to to win dirty. I don't think he knows how to win uh, those games that make you a champion. You got to know how to win dirty games. You took the lead, for Christ's sakes, and you go and blow it in that fashion because DiMarco laying down on his backside and and then you guys get caught out in a counterattack. You know, this is as much credit, I know I didn't want to pick on players, but as much credit as we've given DiMarco, we're seeing now some deficiencies in his game. This is five points DiMarco has cost Inter. Yeah. The penalty, miss, and now this loss is on his, uh, kind of on his shoulders. So right. it's these picks by Simone Inzaghi. Maybe the timing of the subs aren't great, but ultimately this is why Inter's struggling. I think it's due to the managerial choices yeah. of, of Simone Inzaghi. What did you see in this game? Well, also what I saw in this game was Inter not finishing their chances. I mean, the one goal, lone goal they got was from the spot. And there were some very great opportunities. I mean, Barella, Barella, Zeko missing a, a pass, for, a, a cross in from Barella, and he was wide open. It was just him in the net. And he was, what, four yards out? Yeah. And that's that Zeko I know from Roma, right? So, you know, missing opportunities like that. If you're going to be a champion, if you're going to be a, a contender, uh, those are chances that you have to finish. And that's the difference between a champion yeah. and, and, and not a champion. And uh, that's why I think Inter are kind of on the fence right now. Like, what is Inter? And Simone Inzaghi has got some big t- a big test coming up too. So we're going to see what he's really all about. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's like a Conte light. I'm, I'm not really convinced by him with what he can do with these pieces. Because at the end of the day, Antonio Conte won the Scudetto with these same group of players, yeah. right? People people can argue oh, Lukaku and Hakimi have left, but no. I, I I don't think exactly. I don't no. think it Look, Eden Zeko has performed well considering. Yes. Um and, and I mean Darmian has stepped in and Dumfries too. They haven't been Dumfries. bad. They're no Hakimi. No, but they're doing well. They still and yeah, they're doing well and they still have arguably the best team yeah. in Serie A. Yeah. On paper. Absolutely. I just I don't understand I I think I think Joaquin Correa is starting 11 worthy. So I don't 
I, I know. Where do you fit him, right? Ah, he, you can fit him. Like, it, that was something I didn't touch on. Like, the, so both coaches tactically making big adjustments. Joaquin Correa yeah. on the bench, Lataro on the bench, uh, due to international travel, but Perisic playing as a, as and he a striker played behind well. I thought he played well. He played well. You know, we think of Perisic, he's so wasteful on the wing, in the wing back position. Um, he never crosses the ball. Yeah. He always tries to dribble, and he's not a great dribbler. No. He's never able to cut in and shoot. We know he has a cannon, so maybe it was a bit of a genius idea to play him behind Jekyll. Yeah. And you saw, we saw he scored the penalty, and he unleashed a cannon of a shot. Big save by Peperena. So maybe that is his new position. I know Conte tried with him. It was a different role he had him up top, yeah. and he failed in that. But, you know, maybe this is something. Uh, and then and then Sadi decided not to play Luis Alberto in the starting lineup. Yeah, that was his tactical adjustment because he felt he doesn't press high enough. So he yeah. went with Basic, and who was fantastic. No, he was. And let's talk about Lazio. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about it again. Chiro again playing fantastic, scoring the penalty. Pen Mobile, yeah. Well, <laughs> I more know. than that, I, mean, I know. He, I know. He's res- he's the reason why Philippe Anderson got that goal. Hundred percent. Chiro, he works. His, he works his his ass off. He does. I got to give him credit off, for that. So, you know. The best striker in Italy, best yeah. Italian striker right now. Yes, um, out there, and he's the top. He's leading the Capocaniere race. Uh, fantastic, Felipe Anderson. Fantastic, Pedro again putting in a pretty solid performance. I thought for a 34 year old man. And um, what more can you say about uh, Milinkovic Savage? There, he's he's he is the Lazio midfield, in my opinion. Yeah, he's a very very important player. He does he he's does it all for them. Yeah, he's the linchpin. Um, but yeah, Sadi. Yeah, big win for Lazio. Deserved win, yeah. I'd say. Inter, like you said, didn't f- take chances. Really didn't create much. Lazio did create a lot more chances than them, yep. uh, and they did deserve it in the end. But yeah. Inter, I think, at the same time, maybe was it due to the Lazio pressure, self-destructed. And yeah. we'll see. The biggest thing is now how does Inter respond, which we'll see midweek exactly. in Champions League, and then in a massive game against against Juve which in the Derby be, Italia. Yeah. So. That'd be Italia. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So what let's move on from uh, one Milan team to another. AC Milan just getting by. Just getting by. By and the skin team. of their teeth. I, You know, for me, Tudor, I was so impressed. We kind of, ex- we knew this going in because we've analyzed him quite a bit. And what I loved about Verona, what he's brought in tactic-wise, that Di Francesco, everyone says Di Francesco's an attacking manager uh, and he likes to play offense. But, so is Tudor. We see the way his offensive system works. He loves overloads in the wings. He never wants his players to cross the ball into the box uh, aimlessly. He doesn't want his players dribbling to beat men one-on-one. He just doesn't want them to lose the ball. It's, it's, if you ever watch him, it's very everything's about baiting in the opponent. So, for instance, if Barak has the ball, he'll dribble. He'll take one, two touch, three touch. And he'll draw two guys in and then lay off the pass. He's never dribbling to beat a guy. He's dribbling to bait the men. It's very, it's a completely different way of dribbling. And Tudor purposely can see how these guys playing this way. And as well, when one of their players have the ball, there's always support. At least one guy's always there to play a wall pass or a give and go. And it's fantastic. They're playing some of the best offensive football in City A right now. And and they put on a on a on a training session in the they first do. half. They essentially did. They put on a training session and. It, it was fantastic. Milan had no answer for it. Pioli did make some adjustments in the second half. Milan figured out that Verona, because they like to overload, they do leave their middle a bit exposed, and they started placing a guy right in the middle to collect the ball. 
and they were able to counter that way. And it, and it was fantastic response by Milan, the response of true champions. Yeah, it, it was. And uh, to be honest with you, I think I think Stefano Pioli took this game a little lightly. And you got to credit him for the adjustments he made to ultimately, in my opinion, steal this game from Hellas Verona. Uh, I think he came out, he took it way too lightly. Uh, I, I was very surprised by the start of Daniel Maldini sitting behind Olivier Giroud. I just don't think Daniel Maldini is there yet. Uh, so, But, you know, Daniel Maldini coming off, the adjustments were made. And uh, even Sandro Tonali not playing this game, coming on late for Olivier Giroud, quite surprised by that. I think if you're going to be a champion, you have to go for it. But at the same time, I think they had one eye on that crucial Champions League game they have coming up in the midweek against Porto. So resting who they can. But at the end of the day, you're right. They they, they showed the attitude of true champions here uh, and won it when they needed to. They needed to dig deep, and, and they got it, and congratulations to them. I mean, I think uh, they're making they're, – they're, they're the real deal for me. I mean, they, they're dealing with a lot of injuries too right now. Yeah, they were, which is a big reason why – right? Yeah, a big reason why Maldini played. But, yeah, it's true. It's – they – this is what Inter was able to do last season, yeah. and Milan not so much. When they would go behind, you know, they did it for a certain part of the season, certain part of the season. But towards the end, they started falling off because of results like this. This Milan last year, towards the end of the season, they would have lost this game. Yeah, but they turned it around with with an injury riddled bench, like you said, and and uh, they found a way. Now there was a bit of controversy in this game too on the penalty, Casilejo. I don't know. Like and and it was for the tying goal. I, I don't know where the ref and VAR saw a penalty. I don't even think he was touched. He literally just received the ball in the box, was surrounded by three guys and fell over. He did a little pirouette and, and fell on yeah. his own on his own make. And no one, I don't even think, touched him. Unless I'm missing something in the replay, I don't know how that was called. But regardless, Latan then subbed on. I think the Latan effect affected Corey uh, Gunter, and he sliced it into the net. I think yeah. I think he just felt Latan's presence on his back so ultimately Milan not playing good but finding a way on to the next game Cagliari yes the surprise three to one victory for me but it looks like Walter Mazzari made adjustments playing he a did. four four two yeah he, he, he stepped away from his usual three three yeah. five two system that he feels he created in the in the football world he's yeah. that type of guy but Fantastic performance by Cagliari. Joao Pedro, this guy is a machine. I don't know how this guy, there's no room for this guy on Brazil. I really <laughs> don't because this guy's been... He's a great finisher of the ball. Phenomenal. I think that's what they're missing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're playing, fan, they played a fantastic game. Very deserved uh, to win this game. And I have to credit Walter Mazzari. I mean, I didn't think he could do anything with the squad. And turns out he can actually. So... I'm really impressed with that. I mean, to get Joao Pedro to score two, that's great. But Martin Caceres to get the other goal, I'm shocked. And he actually had... Yeah, nice uh, shot. Took a deflection, but you got to shoot, right? And he had a score. great game on the on the right side there. Uh, Nandez playing great. Kita Balde playing fantastic. On the other side, though, I mean... The Versa is yeah. disappointing. He is disappointing. I, I would say that his days are numbered. Oh, there's they're they're starting to become numbered. It's flashbacks of now what he did to Parma last season. Yeah. Um, this guy is brought in to play a nice offensive style of, of football. Yeah, and 
it's uh, once again this guy comes in and the team just completely looks unbalanced, destabilized. They do. They do. Manolo Gabbiadini coming back. And yeah, surprise uh, introduction into the team. It's just it's very strange. You had all week to prepare against the, the weakest team in Serie A you up did. to that point, and you lose three to one and give them their first win of the season. Yeah. But by far their best player was Kandreva. Again, everything the magic of the perm. Seriously, everything runs through Kandreva. Yeah. I think he was the only player that showed up for this game. Everyone else played. Everyone else was a passenger in this team. Yeah. No one showed up. That's why I don't understand. You've had a week to prepare. And this is the best you can. Yeah. And that's why Diversa, yeah, he's on the chopping block. He's on he the chopping block. Now here, I'm going to go a little political here. I, I understand he's the captain, but I think... I think Fabio Quagliarella is really showing his age here. I think you have to go with Caputo now up top. Now that Gabbiadini is back, you got to run with those two up top. It's time. I understand that he's the captain, and, but at the same time, you got to do what's best for the squad, and you got to start the 11 best players that you have available to you. And I think it's time for Chicho Caputo to come in, and it's time for Quagliarella to take a seat on the bench. What do you think? He's obviously a, a legend, a great player, but... Slow. At the same time, he's got to, yeah, maybe be rotated. You shouldn't be relying on him week in and week out. No. Uh, start giving responsibility to maybe some of the younger guys. And I agree. Mind you, they, they did have a week to rest, so I could see why he played in this game. But, yeah, rotation, I think, is needed in this squad. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to the next game. Bologna-Udinese. What a performance by Marco Silvestri. Marco Silvestri's show. See, we talk about Italian goalkeepers. Hey. Great goal. Maybe a guy that doesn't do it consistently, but, but hey, when he's on, he is he's freaking he's on. one of the best shot stoppers yeah. in the big five leagues. Yeah. I mean, uh, Pereira picking up two yellows here, getting a red early, getting sent off. Uh, the game was in Bologna's hands to win. Bologna obviously going up with, with a beautiful Musabato goal. Bologna playing great and then just couldn't get to the finish line. Yeah, couldn't get to the finish line. Mihalovic was a bit upset with the Udine tying goal because he felt uh, Skorupski was impeded by Bikau. I mean, Bikau stood his ground. Skorupski should have known, I'm not going to get over this guy, so I yeah. should stay in my net and play you know, the header off of Beto, who scores his second goal of the season, back-to-back games. Yeah. Uh, so I think bad goalkeeping by Skorupski more than Bacal. Yeah, Bacal was already there. Yeah. That was his spot. Um, but Gotti, very happy with Beto, says he is something special. Uh, he's different from the rest of the players, so he thinks he has a star in the making here. Uh, and another great header by him. Yeah. Udine showed a lot of resilience. Played almost better with, 11, with uh, down a man. Yeah. And uh, it's an impressive performance. I think this is another mark, though, for Mihailovic. Another... Kinda. Yeah, this is a game he should have walked away yeah. with, and and he didn't. I mean, the team played fantastic. Their back three played great. Like Arthur Teat again, another great performance I think by him. Uh, Nicholas Dominguez in the midfield, fantastic. Soriano played great. Musa Bato played great. Even Arnautovic played great. I mean, the whole team all around. Yeah, they they didn't play, but they just came up against the, a goalie yeah. who was unbeatable. Yeah, and this was an opportunity for them to climb in, climb yeah, up higher into yes. the top seven. And this is this is definitely an opportunity lost. So if you're Joey Saputo, you're yeah, th- this would have you're been, you're disappointed. You are because this would have put them on level with Juve and Atalanta yeah. and, and Lazio, just behind the fourth place spots. Believe it or not, yeah. so 
like we said, there's something there. This is something Mihailovic has to get figured out. Yeah. How to win games like this. I, I, I don't know if he's the coach to do it. We'll see as the season goes. Yeah. It's who do you replace him with, right? That's always the That's biggest the question. Thing. There's so really nobody out there. Right now, he's the answer. But That's anyway, 1-1. Right. Great, g- great game by Marco yeah. Silvestri. You can't stress that enough. You want to move on to another draw? Let's go on to the other draw. 2-2, Genoa Sassuolo. Another entertaining draw. We've said it from day one. Yeah. This guy deserves to go on the national team. Gianluca Scamacca. Hands down. Pitting on a clinic. He scored two, two goals, brace in the first half. Also scored an offside goal. He was offside by the plastic on his, on the back of his shoe. Ridiculous offside. But he was fantastic. The strength, the movement, the ball control, the composure in front of net. This guy has everything. The guy's a beast. And on the other end, on the Genoa end, we got to give credit to Mattia Destro. Jesus. Another beautiful heading goal, header goal. Also scored a disallowed uh, goal. And this was just a fun game. So Swallow dominated Genoa in the yeah. first half. Game should have been done. Uh, I feel they took their foot off the gas, though, and allowed Genoa right back into the game, which is what you should never do. And I think Ballardini has to be kissing Destro and saying thank you for, yeah, for keeping, another me, week. keeping me another week. Because the American owners are waiting to cut ties with Ballardini. Yeah, I mean... Uh... An opportunity lost here for Sassuolo. Sassuolo should have ran away with this game, and they they let Genoa back into this game. Though, to be honest, I mean, but Gianluca Scamacca, what can you say? The guy was just he was throwing players around, like yeah. that's a, that's a striker that owns the eighteen yards. Twenty twenty one years old, and he's throwing men around. Yeah. Like six foot four, he's he's a monster. He's quick on his feet. Like this guy's got everything you could possibly want for a forward. This guy is the now, the now in the future for. The Italian national team. I don't know what he has to do to get into, yeah, get an opportunity here. And uh, but I think this was his first legit start. So if he can do this on a week and week yeah. out basis, definitely should be considered. Slots in really well with Berardi and Raspadori. I, yeah. I really liked Raspadori playing on the left side. Did good, he not did, scoring the goals, but he did good. I think he's more fit. To, I think he's more fit to come in as an inside forward from the left yeah. side. He, he he's definitely a supportive striker. He's not. Out and out. He's not an out and a striker. No. He's a nine and a half. Yeah, that's as, what I would as we say. like to coin it. But yeah, and then uh, Matteo Destro on the other side. Another striker. Five been, goals already this season. Yeah, he's yet to take his his lunch break, but Five we're waiting goals. for it. I know. Also uh, making his debut in the Genoa center back position, Johan Vasquez, Vasquez, the Mexican, and he scores a goal. So what a way to introduce yourself to your fan base. Yeah, and then I want to say another shout out, another uh, I think another good performance in the midfield from Nicolo Rovella, 19 years of age, everybody. Yeah, stepping up, making a name for himself in this team. 19 years of age, and he's making a name for himself already. Yeah, we'll probably see him go to a, a bigger... He's owned, I think, bigger by club. This. Yeah. I think he's owned so by So we'll them. see him make a move soon. But overall, yeah, Sassuolo played good. They just not finding out ways to close games. Genoa, more the same. Tons of goals in their games. Can't defend. Uh, always coming from behind. It's the same thing. So like we said, matter of time before Ballardini's gone. Yeah. And another, for me, by the refs, poor fishing in this game. They had no control of this game. Some nope. var de- The VAR decision for Skamaka, for instance, took... Three and a half minutes to figure out whether he was offside or not. I cannot believe it. Uh, it was it was a bit embarrassing how long it took. So referees weren't too good, but the game was still very entertaining and a lot of I loved it. A lot of young Italian talent on display here. Yeah, it was great to see. Great to see. On to the next game. Uh, Atalanta 
and Empoli. Atalanta picking up a huge win here. It's great for momentum going into the Champions League. Yeah, Ilic- uh, Ilicic, my goodness, he's back. Yeah, he's... His second goal was <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, they, they, Atalanta looked great here. Yeah, they look like the old Atalanta. Mario Pasilic playing in the attacking midfield position. Fantastic. Something that they've been missing for the longest time. Uh, you know, we Gasparini likes to always play 3-4, but then his top, it's either he plays 2 a 2-1 or a 1-2. Or and this time he decided to go with the attack in midfield based off the opposition. Mario yeah. Pasalic was left free by Empoli. Empoli obviously did not come up with a tactical plan to deal with him. And he had tons of space. And he was dictating every half space available. And yeah. the two of them, Ilicic and Mario Pasalic, were just phenomenal yeah. this game. Another another Italian player on display here, putting on a clinic on that right side, Davide Zappacosta. Up and down like an engine. There's another guy that if he can pull this in week in, week out, we might be talking about him nationally. Yeah. So. And what about this guy here, Federico Di Francesco, getting another goal? He's yeah. having quite the season. He's having quite the season with Empoli. I mean, he, uh, I think he's fantastic. He's fast and uh, doing well with Empoli. But uh, other than that, there wasn't really much to... No. To, to 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 praise about Empoli. I mean, Liam Henderson was okay, but Pina Monti in the mid, in the middle, attacking mid, like attacking striker in the middle. Nah, nothing. No, really coming off, he probably wasn't one hundred percent healthy, right? He was coming off an injury and he somehow made it in. But ultimately, yeah, Andre Zoli, he was out coached by Gasparini. Gasparini's team, like we, I said, you know, they had an extra man in the midfield all game, and yeah. they completely outplayed Andre Zoli's four three three. Andrezioli was looking to go three for three to pair up to uh, Atalanta's three at the back. So he's trying to get his three forwards to go three for three against them and create those one-on-one situations, but it was never happening. Atalanta just, like I said, schooled them. Gasparini gave him a, a coaching lesson and it was a, a beating and a half. It was. It was a huge win for Atalanta, keeping their top seven hopes alive. And uh, huge momentum going into the midweek. On to the next game, Napoli. Stay perfect. Napoli coming out in those Halloween jerseys, trying to scrounge up some extra cash, I guess. Uh, what did you think of those jerseys? They were weird. <laughs> they were spiderwebbed, black. Yeah. We very... should get a we should get an analysis from our jersey friend, Nick. <laughs> yeah, very. He's our jersey Very strange. Analyst. A bit desperate looking, anyway, for money. But I wasn't a fan of them, to be honest. But what do we think about the game? Another... Luciano Spalletti then up winning 1-0. Goes 8-0. Matches Sadi's record from the season where they, I think, lost out by a point to Juve in the Sketo race. They had they finished with 91. So he matches Sadi's record. What do we think of this game and, and Napoli as a whole? Oh, I credit Luciano Spalletti for, for finding deficiencies and rotating because Lorenzo Insigne was not playing well. Didn't have a good game. Missed came the, off for Elmas. And missed the penalty yeah, too. Yeah, missed the penalty. Came off for Elmas. And that's when the difference started. I mean, he was pissed off when he came off. But then he's hugging Oziman when Oziman scores that, that game-winning goal. And you got to credit Luciano Spalletti for having the goal to do that. Luciano Spalletti's not afraid to to take anybody off. You, I don't, he doesn't care who you are. 
if you're not working that day, if you're not on that day, you're off. And I, I, that's what I love about Luciano Spalletti. He's a fantastic coach. And uh, that's the difference between Napoli winning and Napoli losing two points in this game. Because I think if, 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 if Luciano Spalletti succumbed to pressure and kept Insigne on, I don't think Napoli wins this game. I don't think that, that Ozyman goal happens. So I agree. That's a good observation. He knows he knows when to pull off players. He yeah. doesn't care about the name on the back of the shirt. And Insigne, was, he was terrible this he game. He was terrible which he's allowed to be every once in a while. But. Yeah, he was terrible. I mean, uh, Politano too. Uh, missing as well. Yeah, missing as well, but Chucky Lozano comes in. and Yeah, th- those subs changed the game. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, Rolando Mandragora. Yeah. I, bad, I feel bad for me. He uh, ruptured his meniscus, so he, another length injury for this uh, no longer young player, but yeah. guy who should be in his prime, he's out again. Yeah, it's it's. But Tor- Torino went toe for toe with Napoli in this game. Another tough lot. I feel for this Torino team. Like they are playing. They are a stubborn team to play against. It's yeah. just they're not. They're not finishing their opportunities. But this has always been Ivan Jurić's problem. We you know defense first for him. He always brings in a defensive style, and his styles. He goes so defensive. It sometimes it is hard for his teams to score because he always wants the team behind the ball. Yeah. Um, so Jurić. He has to figure this out at some point. We have to give him some criticism. A lot of people hate praise on him, but I'm going to criticize him in this. Is that, yes, he does set up his team nice and defensive. They maybe concede only one goal a game, but at the same time, they don't score enough goals. And that's where Jerich has to weigh, you know, you have to take a risk at some point. You got to weigh, when can I come out and attack? And that's something he has to figure out and find better ways to exploit his opposition. Yeah, I mean... uh when you're down one nothing, you gotta throw, you gotta throw the whole deck at at Napoli, and because you know you could have, this was a game you could have easily taken two points from because you were playing very well. And I mean, you brought off Sanabria, you brought on Bellotti. If I'm in Ivan Juric's shoes, I'm throwing the whole deck. I'm even bringing on Simone Zaza. I'm bringing on that way. There's three forwards up top. I wouldn't take Sanabria off. He was playing. I think I thought he played fantastic. Bricalo, on the other hand. Terrible up there. Terrible up there. I mean, yeah, that that that's a major story. Uh, yeah, Zaza back from injury and Belotti get an appearance after five weeks out. Yeah, so he's it's nice to see him back as well. No, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, Napoli staying perfect and eight and zero. Eight and zero. But they did this last time and they didn't win the Scudetto. So yeah, but this is Luciano Spalletti at this time. Are we waiting for the wheels to fall off the bus here or? Well, it's going to happen. The wheels, they're going to drop a few games. How do they respond? Saudis, Saudis, Napoli dropped a few games and they never recovered. And we said that in the last podcast. When Napoli dips, that's when we're going to really see. Is the mentality there to recover? We're going to see if Luciano Spalletti can guide them out quickly, right? Saudi couldn't get them out. They drowned and ultimately lost that Scudetto to, to Juve. But... Uh, can Luciano Spalletti get his first Scudetto? Maybe. Why, why not? Why not? Why not? We'll see. He's got he's got let's some real see. tests coming up. But uh, so let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the penultimate game. Yeah. Roma, Juventus at the Allianz Arena. Uh, Jose Mourinho versus Allegri, to the more decorated uh, managers in Serie A. I no really major changes in the lineups. Matteo Di Ciglio slotted in again at left back. Um, Roma more or less the same. Nicolo Zaniolo goes out with a injury, but it's recorded as nothing serious. So 
Christian, what happened in this game uh, at the end of it? One nil, Juventus come out winners. Well, let's talk about this. So let's get this. Let's get this. Let's address the elephant in the room. Let's get this out of the way real quick. <laughs> uh, the whole debacle where the ref or Sato blew the the whistle too early. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's it is what it is. It's one opportunity. We had a penalty to to put make it right, and Vertu missed. He missed. Chesney saved it. I, I, but at the end of the day, Orzato, he screwed that play up completely. He did blow the whistle too quickly. Now, if he let the play ride out like he should have, Mkhitaryan would have been ruled out for a handball yeah. on that goal that Tammy Abraham scored because he did exactly. volley pass it to him. So That's right. if Justice was kind of served at the end of the day, yeah. they had to miss him because if that did go in, Juve yeah. would have been hard done by Oh, it. for sure. For right? sure. This is what it comes down to. Juve finished the one the the very few chances they had. Roma finished none. None of their chances. Roma created more chances, didn't finish them yeah. because you do not have a finisher up top. Some and, yeah, some stats ball possession 52 to 48, total shots 15 to 6 for Roma yeah. and four shots on target versus two. Yeah. That's the that's that's my point. You you have more opportunities and and you didn't finish them. And that's because you do not have a finisher up top. Said it from day one. Go look at the season preview. This guy's overrated. This guy's a plug. Forty million dollar plug. Tammy Abraham. He cannot. He. Roma fans are starting to pick up on this now. That he is actually. He just scores against farmers. Let me just tell you about Tammy Abraham. He's cost forty million dollars. And I'll just get this out of the way real quick. He's cost forty million dollars. And Roma fans are finally starting to see what I've been saying since the beginning. So for you Roma fans that are delusional and think he's fantastic, you guys are you guys are are not you guys are on something because he is a waste of money. This is his Tammy Abraham's got four goals against Salernitana, against Sofia, against Udinese, and against Zoria Luhansk. That's all he's got. Forty million dollars has bought you that. I think if Eldor Shomorodov had the opportunity. The same opportunity that Tammy Abraham has, he'd have more goals. And he is another guy that I think could finish when even, given the opportunity. Even Borja. Even Borja Mayoral. This is what I don't understand. This is why I'm mad as a Roma fan. Because what we talked about in the season preview with Roma, go back, look at it. The books are so unbalanced. We got to balance the books. We're getting, we're offloading all the dead weight. We bought out Javier Pastore. Denon Zeckel's gone. We get all this, we're trying to balance the books, and then all of a sudden we spend $40 million because Jose Mourinho says, I need this guy. And this guy's a $40 million plug. $40 million plug. That is the difference here. We do not have a finisher up top. We don't finish our chances. This team rides and dies, rides and dies on Lorenzo Pellegrini, and that is it. Lorenzo Pellegrini put in a fantastic performance. The only thing he didn't do was score. That's the only difference here. I mean, everybody gets critical that, oh, he doesn't look for Tammy Abraham because Tammy Abraham doesn't know where the hell he is on the field. Okay? That's that's my whole thing. So at the end of the day, Roma didn't finish their chances. They deserve to lose this game, and we predicted that Juve were going to win this game. S- simple as that. Roma are, Roma are a work in progress. The one thing I will credit Jose Mourinho for is Roma, they conceded that goal, and we'll talk about that in a second. They conceded that goal, but they didn't give up. They took it right back to Juve. If this was under Paolo Fonseca, it would have been a blowout. Because once Roma, Roma conceded last year, the game was fucking over. Pardon my French. The game was over in this uh, 
in these ties last year. So I got to credit, credit Jose, Jose Mourinho with that. He's given them the confidence to bounce back. But these goals that are happening really early got to stop. Happened against Lazio, happened against Juve in these big games. They got to stop. And that is a lack of focus in my opinion. That's now both big games we've had that we've considered in the first 20 minutes. And I'm, I don't think the Moise Keon goal was anything fantastic. I just think it was poor organization defensively. That was an opportunity that they could have cleared off their line. I, I, I think that could have been preventable. At the end of the day, Juve finished their chance. Roma didn't. That's the moral of the story here. Juve, got to give them credit. They are on a run and a half right now. Yeah, this is their fourth game, 1-0 uh, win. Fourth time they've won 1-0, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back Clean to back. sheets. Yeah. Th- this Juve, this is the Juve that I was scared of at the start of the season. They're finding their form now. But... Uh, no, they're fine in their form. I'm still not impressed by this Juve. A lot of Juve fans are happy with the three points. Yes, they're clawing their way back up the table. I think this is, in all competitions, their uh, sixth or seventh game undefeated now. So it's impressive. Allegri's turned the boat around. Not playing good football, though, offensively. Getting the job done. Getting the job being done. Being efficient. And playing defensively efficient. Playing defensively is excellent. That's where they're riding on. The old and Bonucci, Bonucci, Chiellini. But Chesney looks good now because he's the team has settled in front of him. That's right. Well, he played fantastic. Right? I mean, he made he's he did. the one that screwed up the penalty, and he he, he made did. up he for made it. up for which I don't even think was a penalty. But no, not I, even to it get wasn't that a penalty. Again. I thought that whole thing was ridiculous. But Danilo for me is key to the system. Mati Di Silio. Wow, it's you know it's he's playing good. Not to take away from their job, but it's easy when the team you're going against you that is going up against you. Sorry, is playing in front of you. Roma. Made this game too easy for Juve. Okay, we gotta look at Juve for what they are. Okay, this is a team that's gonna sit back two banks of four. Everyone knows it's it's not rocket science and how to break down a team like this. You want to break down a team like this? It's you gotta play with width, get in behind, find the half spaces, which are the spaces in between Leonardo Bonucci, Bentancourt, Juan Cadrado. Uh, Quadrado, Danilo. You got to get in those spaces on the opposing side. Dechilio, Bernadeschi, Locatelli, Chiellini. You got to get in between those guys. Yeah, but nobody does, Jules. That's the problem. Nobody, nobody does. does. Mikatarian. You would you would expect he kind of did Zaniolo. He didn't do look it. At these past look at these past few games. Chelsea didn't. Roma played too Roma narrow. Didn't. They played too narrow. These teams played way too narrow against them. You want to expose Bonucci and Chiellini? You got to play wide. You got to draw out Danilo and Cuadrado. You have to beat them on the wings. I cannot believe everyone always wants to go through the middle with Juve. How do you expect to go and beat Juve through the middle when you have... You're not going to beat Bonucci, Chiellini one-on-one. You're not going to be able to dribble through them and run at them. You're not going to be able to get through the two of them and then on top of Emmanuel Locatelli and Betancourt playing more reserved and dropped in in Allegri's system. It's impossible. You got to go after the weaknesses. The big one, the right side, Bernadeschi and Dechilio. Defensively, not the greatest players. Dechilio played a, a decent game, but this isn't well. a guy that hasn't played in the top flight for a long time. Why are, why isn't he being attacked? And he had acres of space set up. Why uh, is he? Yeah. Why does he have goal? so much space? I don't understand the decisions made by some coaches, uh, not to attack Juve on the wings, because that's where, for me, the biggest weakness is. Once again. It's a solid performance. I'm not super impressed by it. They're doing just enough to win these games. Uh, Darby Italia will preview that a little bit more. But I think Juve can be uh, got at right now. I think their season is riding on a knife still a little bit. 
you know, their, their recent victories have come against Roma, Torino, Chelsea, Sampdoria, Spezia, drew with Milan, and then beat Malmo. So they've been undefeated since. But I'm just, I'm very surprised about how teams haven't uh, taken the game to them on the wings. But regardless. They did it. The big win. Me, when they switch on and they finally gel, yeah, that's why, that's why. That's why. That's why. They're I had gonna them, run away. That's why I had the Mascudato champs. They're gonna run away. But I'm still, I'm still not convinced by Allegri. I'm really, I'm not. But anyway, he did what he had to. Yes. So Juve win this game. They finished their chance at the end of the day. Roma didn't. So Juve deserved to win this game. Roma's extremely poor record at the Allianz Stadium continues. I think we've only won once since the stadium opened. Yes, Roma. This it it's, it, it it is, is the most losing team there. It's so you you basically mentality mentally you walk into this game and you you're done. So um credit to Juve, big one nothing win there. Uh that basically sums up match day nine. Venezia and Fiorentina go today. We expect Fiorentina to win. So this is a huge opportunity for Fiorentina to climb up into into fifth place. Uh the only difference between them and Roma would be goal differential. So the standings right now, the way they read in the city are Napoli, perfect, 24 points in first place. Milan, 22 points, two points behind. Inter remained in third place with 17 points. Got a long way to go if they're going to be a Scudetto contender. Roma, for some reason, sitting in fourth place still on 15 points. Uh, Lazio climb up to fifth with 14 points. Atalanta in sixth, 14 points. Juve in seventh, 14 points. Fiorentina with this game in hand. 12 points in 8th place should move up to 5th place today and then Bologna in ninth, 12 points that is the top 9 <laughs> guys like everyone like enjoy that and then at the bottom we got Salernitana 4 points at the very bottom Venezia uh, just a point at, just a point above 5 points Cagliari sitting 6 or sorry in 18th with 6 points and Genoa sitting in 17th with 6 points and Sampdoria sitting in 16th with 6 points. So if Venezia pull off a miracle today, Cagliari drops down to 19th, Genoa drops down to 18th, Sampdoria drops down to 17th. It's like that is how tight it is. And Spezia dropped down to 16th. So Venezia can climb up into 15th place with a win today. Like this, this is exciting. Nobody is running. Well, Napoli's kind of running away with it right now, but this is a tight season. Yeah, it's this has been. It's exciting. It's, we we were expecting this with yeah. uh, Conte leaving. It kind of opened up a space for for anybody to take over. Should have never left. Should never left. He he was a chicken and he ran. Should have never have left. What a what a season it's been so far for the city. Offense. He didn't want to go up against his arch nemesis Allegri there to prove who who really is the best manager. I would have loved to see in that matchup, but that's eh, okay. He ran away. Ran away. Now let's talk about Champions League coming up. Let's talk about for our Italian teams. So, first and foremost, on Tuesday, we got Porto and AC Milan at the Estadio do Dragaio. I'm sure they'll have their <laughs> Natas Doso there. Um, and we also got Inter playing crucial, crucial two games against Sharif. They begin their first one at home at the San Siro. Let's start with AC Milan, Jules. AC Milano. Tell me what you think here. What do I think? Obviously, they're do or die right now. Uh, yeah. Bottom of the t- bottom of the group right now. Bottom of the group, I think 
they're done, even if they do end up turning it around six uh, points out of these two games, that they're going to go, obviously, head-to-head uh, head here with Porto, and they do walk away with six points. They could be sitting second, but honestly, I think uh, this is about Europa League, these spots here. I think it's going to be a tough game. Porto are no pushovers. they got great players, such as uh, Mexican uh, star Jesus Corona, fantastic mm -hmm. dribbler of the ball. He's dangerous, Otavio Diaz. So they have some great uh, weapons. This is a Porto team, like we said, beat Juve in the knockout stages. So the edge really should go with Porto. They're the more experienced team. Milan are also injury-riddled. I think Bakioko will be there. Uh, he should be free for injury, but still, Rebic is out, I believe, for this game. Florenzi, Magnan's out. Kessie's out due to suspension. Messias. Uh, Junior Messias, he may be coming back for, uh, he may be eligible for this game, but Teo Hernandez may be out with COVID still. Brahim Diaz is a question. So this team is still a bit of a mess. Okay. And they did struggle against Verona, but now this is Porto. This is Champions League. So it's going to be interesting to see Pioli's. Do you say, okay, it's done Champions League. We just say throw in the towel. Let's focus on Serie A. It's, so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of a team he throws out. Zlatan is expected to start or make an appearance at some point, uh, maybe rotate with Giroud. So, I'm still gonna. I'm gonna go more so for a draw. I think in this game, uh, I I I just find it very. Milan have put themselves in a in a very hard position right now against one of the best teams in yeah. the world. Liverpool right now are in this group, and you have a solid Atletico. So it's really stacked against them to do anything. Uh, and Porto, like we said, are no no uh, pushovers in this competition. They're great at finishing, great at counterattacks, amazing at set pieces create chances to through balls. They know how to attack this team. They know how to defend. They can do everything. So Milan have to be sharp. And this is going to be maybe their another hard test for them. Their, their two hardest tests so far this season have come in Champions League. This will be their third hardest test. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens there. What do you think is going to happen? Do you just think a Porto win? I'm leaning towards a Porto win or a draw in this match. The Stadio do Dragao. I'm going to say, uh, yeah, just with the injuries... It's about Europa League. I agree with you. I think a draw is going to happen here. Let's move on to Inter Milan, hosting the top of the table, Sheriff. <laughs> Believe it or from not, from Moldova. My goodness, to say that, I don't think anybody would have believed Sheriff would be top of the table uh, heading into this. Inter sitting at third somehow with a draw and a loss, one point. No goals for. No goals for. Embarrassing. Uh, Inter has been a total embarrassment for the city. Yeah for everything as an organization in the Champions League for the past decade, five years, whatever it's been. They've been a shambles of a team. So if they don't get their act together now and pick up six points in these two games, you might as well never play in Champions League again because no, it, it, it's a joke. Games. If you, you don't win, win these, these two, two games, games, I don't care what Sheriff's done to Real Madrid or not. Simone Inzaghi, you find a way yeah. to win this game. Yeah. I'll, you I'll tell you this. Sharif's next game against Real Madrid, that's never going to happen yeah. again. Not it even won't against, happen again. Not even against Shakhtar. I don't want Simone Inzaghi to have one thought on Juve and what they're going to do. Because Juve's got to play midweek too. You worry about this goddamn game. And you find a way to beat Sharif. this team from Moldova. Because you are <laughs> the Italian defending champs. And you give Italy some good, give Italy some good uh, recognition in this tournament. Because it's a joke what Inter's been able to bring to the table in Champions League. So do you believe that Inter's going to do this? I, of course, I believe they will. I you mean, it's to not going to be easy because we know how they are. Six points is going to be... It's going to be a tough six points to get for them 
over over the back to back. I think it's going to be harder for them in Moldova than it will be at home. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're and, at home. And they're at home this game. Healthy team. Everyone's available. There's no question about anything. And Zaghi win this goddamn game because if yep. you don't. I think question marks should be raised about over this guy's head as well. Oh, there you go. You know, he should start being questioned as to whether this guy's a good manager or not. You better win this game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's uh, that's uh, Tuesday. Let's move on to Wednesday for our Italian counterparts. Let's talk about this big one. So top of the table, Atalanta. In form, Atalanta now. In form, Atalanta. No longer the team that <laughs> fallen apart, washed up. They're back. First place, Atalanta. Paying a visit to Old Trafford. Play in Manchester United. Who just got smashed by Leicester 4 2. Yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being questioned. Ole at the wheel. Ronaldo looking like a pensioner. Tapping King. $400,000. You're paying for tappings and no dessert with this guy. Uh, Ronaldo going down memory lane. Yeah. Atalanta. People saying he ruined Juve. Now they're saying he ruined Man U. So you shouldn't be surprised. This guy has too much baggage, too much of a liability. Now. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has to not just manage Manchester United, he has to also manage Ronaldo FC. So he has to manage two clubs here. What do we think? Man U's a complete shambles. That's what I'm getting at. They're in complete Atalanta. shambles, but they're heavy favorites in this game. Heavy. Which I think is a joke. Yeah, I don't agree with that. If, if anyone who has half a brain looks at the Leicester game, Leicester played in a, a, the exact same formation Atalanta played in. And they annihilated Man U right off the park. Atalanta, I think, is better than Leicester. And have played that system a lot longer. So if Leicester, it's just simple logic. If Leicester can do what they did to Man U, a team full of individuals that does not know how to defend, and they rely on, on Ronaldo to take victory out of, out of nowhere, out of individual brilliance, I think Atalanta will do something here. Here's my thing with Atalanta. Atalanta looks so good against Empoli. And the reason why is... Yes, Pasalic played great. The whole team played well. But for me, the key for Atlanta is who is playing in that middle center back role. And Demaral surprisingly had a decent game. He's the Christian Romero replacement. He's really not. I don't know how they thought he could, they could replace Romero with him. But he played good, and look what Atalanta did, right? Can he do it back-to-back? We've never seen it. We've never seen Demoral put in back-to-back solid performances, and he, now he's going into Old Trafford. If this was Christian Romero and he was still there, I would say Atalanta easily win this game. But because it's Demoral back there, and but he's I, going against a former teammate in Ronaldo. I know, but if that's the problem, I think Ronaldo could take Demoral. As much as I hate to say it, I think he can because Demoral was horrendous at Juventus. I don't. I'm not convinced that he can put two back-to-back performances like that together. That's my. That's what I'm scared of, and that's why I don't think Atlanta can do something here. I want them to. I want them to so bad. I want them to beat. I want them to beat Manchester, and I'll be rooting for them. But because of that, I'm gonna say Manchester is gonna bounce back in this game. Demaral, that center back, that center back. This is what I've learned about Atlanta. That center back in that formation is one of. If not the most important player in the, in Gasparini's system, and if he's not up to step up to snuff in the game, Atalanta looks ordinary. But if he's up to snuff, Atalanta looks dangerous. So for me, I think that Maral's the difference. He's not going to put in that performance, and Manchester United's going to win this game. 
I don't know. I I disagree. I I know we know everyone knows man use weapons. It's counterattack, long through balls, running onto passes such as that. Greenwood get a non dribble shoot, goals out of nowhere. That's that's the Manchester United way. They play with no system. Like we already said, defense is a disaster for Man U. They are terrible defensively as a team. They have individual, uh, individually as defenders, they have some good pieces, but as a team, they're brutal. Ronaldo, not to just pick Ronaldo, but be, you know it's Ronaldo, so we we got to focus up on him. He runs less than goalkeepers in games. Think about that for a second. He has the lowest distance covered in the Premier League for in regards to running stats. He does not move. So right there, you're playing a man down every time you have the ball. He's not going to press the back line. He's going to allow Atalanta on the ball. You allow Atalanta's time on the ball, they're going to rip you apart. And I think that's where, man, you're going to struggle. They don't defend from the top. It's it's their def- it's only their defense that plays defense. Everyone else is offensive-minded. So I think Atalanta are the better team. And I think for me they'll just pick apart Manny. I hope it happens. No, I hope it. Like I said, I hope it happens. But watch Ronaldo go off and score uh, two tappings and a Ronaldo penalty. Yeah, so Demarel's gonna let him. I know that's the the psycho the psychology. They're gonna think, oh my God, Ronaldo. Yeah. He's coming. He's gonna destroy us. Let's, but uh, if yeah, if they go to the pitch yeah. scared Atalanta, then they're in trouble. So let, good luck to Atalanta. Let's breeze through this game because I don't think this game really deserves too much time. Juve is in St. Petersburg. Yeah, we know you. They're gonna sit back, four man block, and counterattack. He is a keen. It's been working. That's what. That's the system he's been playing. Yeah. And Zenit's if hell if Roma couldn't break down Juve. What makes you think Zenit's gonna? Zenit's not gonna do it. They're not gonna. They're gonna play narrow because they're gonna be scared of Kies and Keen's p- pace, and that's it. It's gonna be a loss. I hope, you know, Juve has commanded this group. They're pretty much through with this win, so. Pressure's not on them to go for it. Zenit's got to get the win, but Juve's going to take advantage of that and, and sneak out a 1-0 win for me here. All right. That sums up Champions League. Let's move on to Europa League real quickly. Lazio, crucial home-and-home. Home. They're playing Olympique de Marseille. Olympique de Marseille. What do we think about... What do we think about this game, Jules? Do we think Lazio has what it takes to go toe-to-toe with... Oh, they definitely do. Olympique Marseille... You know, still running on the brilliance of Dimitri Payet. He is the team. Valentin uh, Rangier in the midfield, 26-year-old, and, and his prime, and Matteo Guendouzi. And it kind of drops off because then it's Matteo Guendouzi. Lazio is a better team than this. They have two Roma rejects, Paolo Lopez and Chegi Zunder in this team too, for Christ's sake. So if they can't get it done, and, and Milik, your favorite dude, is in this team. Arek. Arek Milik. So listen, these are all City rejects. This should be a win for Lazio. It's it's whether or not they're taking this competition seriously or not. They better. Uh, for the most part, Marseille, they do like to play a, a kind of a strange system. They don't play with the striker. They play with three defenders, two pivots, four attacking midfielders, and Paye behind. So they go, they're a really offensive team. They don't like to play with a focal point. They like to play open pass, uh, open soccer passing and, and moving into space. So they're, they are a tricky team to handle. It will be an interesting uh, to see how Sadi evaluates Marseille and, and puts up a game plan against Marseille. Uh, this, his Lazio team will be very interesting. But I think Lazio should have the pieces too. If Marseille are going to play that open, I think Lazio, Pedro, Felipe Anderson, Chiro Mobley, they'll find a way to 
to poke holes in this Marseille defense and and get the win. We'll see. I'm I'm not convinced by Lazio. I don't know what they're what they're planning on doing in this in this uh, Europa League, but uh, they should. Everything on paper points to winning. Now let's move on to Napoli. Napoli hosting Legia Varsava at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona on Thursday. Yeah, must win for Napoli and, and Leicester as well. The two favorites at the bottom of this group. Yeah, Napoli pay, playing a home and home with the top of the table right now, Legia. I mean, this has to be three points. Has to be three points. I mean, when we look at what Legia is doing in their domestic, I mean, Legia right now, the storied club in the Polish Extra Klasa, probably the club in the Polish Extra Klasa, uh, just lost a massive game uh, yesterday against Lech Poznan, who was my Polish team. Uh, so Lech Poznan is top of the table with 24 points. Legia sitting in 15th place in the Extra Klasa with nine points. Now, I've been to Legia Warsaw Stadium. It's a very intimidating place to play for anybody visiting, and I think it will be a harder game when they go to Warsaw to play. I do agree with that. That's why you need these three points now. And there's no reason why you should have anything less than a win in this game against Legia Warsaw. So for me, I'm going to say a Napoli win. Legia still relying on a 41-year-old Arthur Boruk in that. So... What does that tell you? Well, they have they can be got at Legia Warsaw. They play a very common system. Uh, sorry, they play a system that's known in Italy, a three-five-one-one. Uh, so Spalletti's played against systems like this. He knows what he's going to be up against. He's going to be able to how speak. to expose the three-man defense, how to deal with the the wingers in the five-man midfield. Yep. Josue is the key player in the Legia Warsaw. Uh, you know, in their build-up attacks, it seems like he everything goes through him. He's their playmaker. He he connects the midfield and the forward line. So, if Spalletti can find one of his pivots to kind of take him out of the game, I think it'll help in in Napoli handling Legia Warsaw. But I think they don't bring anything that's going to surprise Napoli. No, I don't believe, and don't. I I think like I said, Spalletti's seen all this, so I believe Napoli should be able to go in and. And they're at home. If, they're in Napoli. Yeah, and they're going to threaten them with their pace. They're going to find those spots, the half spaces, like I always talk about, and they're going to try and get behind the wing backs and spread out this three-man defense. And Legia Warsaw, yeah, it's going to be a defensive approach from them, I expect. They'll try and get yeah. Napoli on the counter, but... I mean, take nothing away from them. They beat Leicester. Yeah, they've won two games. And they beat Spartak. Both their games at home, though. Yeah, it's been clicking for them. In Warsaw, they're dangerous. Yes. When they're on the road, they're a totally different team. Yeah, so this will be a nice big test. This will kind of be, if they win this, they're legit, you know, contenders probably for this tournament. But we'll see. I think Napoli, they should should get it done at the the, uh, Diego Armando Stadium. I think so too. Roma playing Bodo Glimt in the Europa Conference League. Should be a Roma win. Who knows with Jose Mourinho what you're going to get. I think what's going to happen, you're going to see a you're going to see Roma run riot in the midweek on Thursday. It's going to get all the Roma fans all pumped up for the big game that we have against Napoli, and then we'll talk about that very very soon. They'll fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such yeah. a pessimistic <laughs> fan right now, but but th- this is this is their this is this their is tournament. their toughest games they're going to be playing right now. Bodo Glimt is tough, yeah. yeah. A quick team, typical Scandinavian very, style, very play the wings. Team, very athletic team, yeah. team. 
So continuing off their impressive kind of run from last year, Bodo Glimt, uh, the way they won the Norwegian uh, League. So we'll see what they do. This will be Roma's biggest test so far in Europe anyway. In Europe. In Europe. That's why. In Europe. Keywords in Europe. All right. So that sums up our coverage of the midweek fixtures in Europe. We wish all our Italian teams all the best in their... Represent in their, us well. Please, guys. Please. It'd be nice to talk about seven Italian wins it would be uh, nice in the midweek in the next uh, in the next podcast. But so, we know one team might blow that. Well, we don't we know. know who that we is. We don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. So they couldn't beat their shadows, those guys. <laughs> well, we'll see. Let's move on to match day nine. Kicks off on Friday. Uh, starts with Torino and Genoa at the Stadio Olimpico Grande Torino. Giuliano, how do we see this game? How do we see this game? Torino, obviously the strong. Uh, Favorites in this game, we know, like we said, with Ivan Jurich Springs, defense first. Uh, Torino have not lost his fixture in their last nine, so that's a that's a big plus. They've got a better manager now on top of it. Genoa are kind of always hanging by the skin of their teeth, always concede first. Like we know, Ballardini, the pressure's on him, and I don't think that's a good changing uh, locker room sort of being right now is, is the Genoa changing room because there's so much pressure with new ownership coming in. Everyone's trying to uh, to take care of themselves first, team second. So I think Torino, they continue uh, their pretty decent form and they, they pile on more pressure on Ballardini in this Genoa club. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it is the end of Davide Ballardini after this match day. I think Genoa are going to get smashed by Torino. Torino deserve to win this game. Torino, by far the better team. They are more organized. Genoa, defensively, a disaster. And yes, they've been scoring goals, but this Torino team thrives on defense first. So I don't think they're going to concede. I think Vanya Milinkovic-Savic, who is third, the third best goalkeeper, who only averages 1.0 goals per game for Torino. He's the, be- he's the third best rated goalie in the Serie A. He's going to finally get a nice clean sheet. And it's going to be a 2 nothing Torino win. And they're going to say Arrivederci to the man in the shades because your time is up. And mark my <laughs> words, the guy coming in, Beppe Iacchini. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Hey, it's going to happen. I'm predicting it right now. What's today's date? Yeah, October 18th. That's my prediction for you guys. Next um, match. Next match. Uh, this is a big one. Ligurian Darby. Ligurian Darby, but also a relegation six-pointer. Yeah, Spezia sitting 15th on seven. Sampdoria 16th on six points. This Darby means the world. Yes. Uh, I'd say the pressure is more so on Diversa to do something. He but has to. At the same time, Tiago Motta can't be resting on his laurels either. He has to try and get points here against teams that are below him, right? Uh, in this game, Spezia... Simone Bastoni, a key player in their system, is going to be suspended for this match uh, for a straight red card he got. It's going to be interesting. Is Tiagamata going to go with an all-out attack like he did last time with four attacking players? Yassi on the left wing back position again. We'll see Crotone did... I mean, Crotone. Salernitana remind me a lot about Crotone, but they... they uh, Salernitana created a ton of chances. or Spezia. No, I know, I know. Salernitana created a lot of chances against Spezia. Oh, in the sorry, game. sorry, sorry. So he can't come out with the same system against Sampdoria, or else Sampdoria, I think, have more quality and will pick them apart. It'll be interesting to see, like we said, if Qualiarella gets the, the rotation. I think if you put speed against Spezia, you can easily dismantle them. But uh, it'll be interesting. Both teams defensively shambles. Sampdoria's maybe a little bit better. 
offensively, they average just over one goal a game. So we'll see. These games, usually there's a ton of goals in the games these two teams play because they concede so much. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. But I think Sampdoria, I think they'll get the edge on Thiago Motta. Thiago Motta doesn't sit back for anybody. He always comes out and attack. It doesn't matter True. who the team is. And I think sometimes that, that's going to come to bite him in the ass uh, sometimes this season. I think this is one of those games. Yeah. Um, I think this game's going to be a little too tough for... It's too tough to to think of a of a decision. I mean, uh, it's for me. This game's got draw written all over it. I think both teams are going to come out scared. I really do, because uh, they know what a loss would do to them in this derby. So for me, I think they're going to both play a play a safe bet. They're going to both take a point and move on. Uh, so for me, it's going to be a draw with uh, uh, Sampdoria and Spezia, and. From that, let's move on to another big game, Salernitana Empoli. Since you love to talk yeah. about Salernitana so much, two teams that uh, came up from Serie B, yeah, new manager like we said, and Stefano Colantuono. What do we think, Salernitana? Do they get the manager bounce and get a result off Empoli here? I don't know because they were playing really good. I think if it's under Custodi, they win this game. But because of Cola and Tuono, they're going to sit back more. And I think Empoli's going to take this game to them. Uh, so for me, I think Empoli's going to actually win this game. Yeah, you know what? I, I agree. I don't think... It's not the right manager for this it's, team. It isn't the right manager for this team. Castori was doing a good job. I think it was just a matter of... They were always in the games, like we said. It was just a matter of the offense not clicking. Yeah. And now with Stefano Cola Tuono, your offense isn't going to click at all because nope. you're going to be going pure counterattack. just when things seem to be turning for Sanitana yeah. they've brought in a coach to now go back into first gear and I don't th- like we said I don't think that was the problem they will now be as bad as Crotone yeah. was last year yeah the the defense isn't great but it's not the worst in City huh? nope. it's only they've only conceded one more goal than Empoli it's the goals They're, they've scored four less goals than Empoli and we know how important goals are mm-hmm. so once Simi who scored 20 goals last season if you get that guy firing, you're golden. Yeah. But I think this manager change came way too early. And, yeah, I think Empoli, it'll probably be a draw, but they're definitely not winning this game, Sonny Tana. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Mistake. So, Mistake of uh, of an appointment there. Yeah. On to the next game, Sassuolo-Venezia. Venezia, yeah. This is going to be a tough game to determine because Venezia, we still have to see. We they don't know what they're going to do against suspensions, But we know Sassuolo... Dionisi, it will be nice to see him go again with Scamacca. Raspadori is going to be questionable. I think he's a guy that gets dropped if Jeremy Boga is healthy to come back in. Yeah. Uh, Berardi, so... So, Swolo, we know what they are. They're exciting going forward. Very exciting. But they don't play good for a full 90 minutes. That's their biggest problem. They yeah. turn off way too early. Uh, but against Venezia, do we think they have enough to get three points no we don't know because that's gonna be a, that's tough to answer right now because we don't know how Venezia is gonna come out today I don't even know if Sergio Romero is gonna start right away for yeah Venezia, he, he's, right? he's they got a goalkeeper now yeah which we didn't yeah which we didn't mention actually yeah. we might have mentioned on the last podcast but yeah Sergio Romero they got a goalkeeper now so it could change it could change that, the team that could totally change the team so for me I'm gonna say I still think Sassuolo is gonna have too much for Venezia so I'm comfortable in saying Sassuolo is gonna win because I want Skamaka to do well. I want Skamaka to bag a few goals. I want Skamaka to have to force the media to pressure Mancini to call this guy up. Same. So, for me, I'm going to say a nice Sassuolo win. 
Yeah, I think Sassuolo too. I don't think Venezia has any offensive threat. To They're even, toothless to even, on the They offense. are toothless. 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 Toothless, exactly. So let's move on to the next game. Bologna-Milan. Very interesting game. This is a top-of-the-table clash. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think it's a walk in the park for Milan. No, it's, it's a Bologna who have an offensive threat. Jekyll and Hyde here. A Milan who has a big midweek fixture in the Champions against Porto. Bologna, who's going to feel hard done by and come out with a vengeance on yeah. Mihalovic's personality. He's going to want to come and smash him. Smash him because you got to remember, this is his former employer as well. Yeah. They fired him, right? Mihalovic. So he's going to want to come out and prove something with yeah. this, uh, this and Bologna not team. Not to mention all the injuries that Milan have. Exactly. So you tell me, Milan, do they have enough to take three points from Bologna? Here? On paper, they do. But this game is not played on paper. I think motivation-wise, I think Bologna is going to come out. Bologna is going to win this game. Bologna, for me, is a contender for the top seven this year because they have enough talent there. And I think, like you said, Mihalovic is a very reactive coach. They're going to come out angry. They're going to come out to prove a point. So Bologna is going to be more hungry. Like the, 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 all the, When you think about it, they got all week to prepare. Milan's got to worry about going to, going to Portugal and to play in Porto in the midweek, then have to come back and, and then play Bologna. So Bologna's got all week to prepare for this game. I think Bologna's going to win this game. Three points. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a draw. Okay. I'm going to say a draw. If Milan going to win, it's going to take a moment of individual brilliance yeah. to Milan, win this game. To me, Milan stole the game against Hellas Verona, right? They so. did. The ref, to me, like I said, I still don't know yeah. what he, they saw, but it's yeah. going to be a very tough week for Milan. Oh, yeah. On to the next game, Atalanta hosting Udinese. I think it continues for Atalanta. I think they're riding high. They're on they're on good form. Everyone's relatively healthy. I think once they beat Manchester United, they're going to even gain more confidence, and I think it continues. Uh, Udine, for me, as, as stubborn as they are, mid-table team, average around a goal f- a game and a goal against the game. I think Atalanta are just maybe a little bit too much for Udine and they're three five two. So I think Atalanta loves playing against these these teams that play three five two systems. And I think they'll they'll uh they'll beat off these three five two as well. I agree. Atalanta for the win. Next game, Hellas Verona hosting Lazio. <laughs> I don't know what to say here. They'll beat Inter, they'll beat Roma, but they're gonna go drop points to Hellas. We yeah. know it's, that's the way it goes with Lazio. Yeah, and then Sadi's going to complain about the schedule again because of the yeah. Europa League. Exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, and this Hellas Verona team, they are they do not underestimate these guys. These guys are good. No, 17 goals a season. Yes, they're sitting 13th, but don't let that trick anybody. That's because Di Francesco had the team for the first part of the season. Three games. But the only team that has more goals in them this season are Lazio, Inter, Milano, and Napoli. That's it. Four teams and teams with quadruple the budget these guys have. Yeah, and quadruple the quality and talent these guys have. But exactly. these guys are getting goals from Nikola Kalinic. So amazing. Yeah, Giovanni lasagna, got it. lasagna even went on. He didn't score, but he even oh got it. Oh my God, points. if he scores, that's it. It's over. You might as well Tudor's just... You should be coach. automatically relegated if lasagna scores <laughs> against you. <laughs> but the problem with Verona is the defense. Yeah. 17 goals against. So it's if tough. Tudor gets that it's organized, which I think he is... Yeah. It's tough. And at the same time, Montipo didn't play a good game this week. No, he didn't. Milan, so he should bounce back. And when Montipo's on, he's actually a pretty decent yeah. goalkeeper. I, I think Verona could take away a lot from that Milan game. I think they will learn a lot. And I think Lazio, because we know how they are, they're going to drop points here. 
whether it be a loss or a draw for them. Yeah, I'm not convinced that Lazio are going to win this game. So I'm going to say, I'm going to actually say Hells Verona are going to win this game because they're at the Marcantonio Bentegaudi. They are now the sole team in Verona because I think Kievo's long gone. And they got the pride of Verona behind them. So Elas Verona for me to win this game. Next up, Fiorentina Cagliari. We don't know what Fiorentina is going to do today. So it's really, it's kind of difficult to predict what's going to happen. Um, they are at the Artemio Franchi in Florence, Italy. And for those of you that haven't been to Florence, it is one of the most beautiful cities in all of Italy. And the Artemio Franchi for an old stadium is not that bad either. So how do we see this game, Jules? See this game, Vincenzo Italiano, for all the praise we get him for his offensive play, diamondism he's brought to Fiorentina, he's really locked down the defense. It's amazing that you don't have to bring in a quote-unquote defensive coach like a Beppe and Kini to play defensive football. You can play defensive football by bringing in an attacking coach. Um, it's quite the thing. And I think Fiorentina, they'll beat uh, Venezia, and they're going to beat Cagliari this, the same way. I think as a team, they play outstanding defense, the best in the league almost in regards to defensive play as a team. And I think uh, Cagliari are going to find it very hard to get a goal. If they are lucky, they may be able to push for a draw because Fiorentina maybe rely a little bit too much on Vlahovic and, and other guys don't pitch in enough for goals. And uh, a lot of their goals have come through penalties this year. So, yes, Fiorentina may struggle to score against Cagliari, but if they're clicking, it should be an easy win for Fiorentina because I don't think Cagliari have the, the offensive pieces to break down a Fiorentina. Yes, they got good individual talent in Joao Pedro, but for me, if they take him out, really, what's Cagliari going to come at you with? So, for me, Fiorentina... I'm giving the win for. Fiorentina for me is a fantastic team. I think they're going to beat Smash Venezia today and they're going to smash Cagliari too. So Fiorentina win. All right, so let's preview the two massive games coming up match day nine in Serie A. We first start with Roma-Napoli and then we'll move into Juve-Inter. But let's start with Roma-Napoli. Roma-Napoli playing on Sunday at the Stadio Olimpico. <laughs> You tell, I could tell you're nervous a deep little bit. Breath, deep breath. Luciano Spalletti coming back to Stadio Olimpico. Obviously, fantastic manager in his time with Roma. And uh, this is a tricky game. I mean... Very tricky. Roma's going up against the team with the perfect record in Serie A still. Yeah, and it's Spalletti versus Mourinho. And Napoli, easily the best team on the road. Perfect. Roma, one of the best home teams. We all know how Roma are. Roma, Roma, Roma at home is fantastic. It's the road that's a problem. So Roma, again, coming off a big loss to Juventus. They should be both glimped on the weekend or in the midweek again in the Europa Conference League, gain some confidence back. Squad will be rotated, and then they'll be ready with their starting 11 against Napoli. This is a big test for Napoli. I've been waiting to see. We talked about the, you know, they, had a, they, they beat Juve. I wasn't too convinced. It was Juve maybe who weren't in the greatest of form at the That's time. Right. But and they we, still beat them. They still beat them. But this is a good litmus test for, for Napoli here. How do we see this game? Obviously, Napoli have a huge advantage. I think Roma, I talked a little bit about this again in, in the Juve match. Roma attacked the middle for me way too much. Napoli have the best defense in the league right now. You're going to attack to the middle. You're not going to score a goal. If Roma does not exploit the wings against Napoli... 
try and get behind uh, Giovanni Di Lorenzo and uh, Mario Wee if he plays on the left back position, you're not going to score. So it'll be interesting. I thought uh, Stephen Al Sharawi had a, a great game against Juve. I would just love to see him a pine wide pin those wing backs back because they're an integral piece to Napoli. Because um, Napoli, their strength is actually attacking on the wing, believe it or not. Look, in their first place with a perfect record. Look, they beat Juve because they pulled their defense apart because Napoli love to play on the wings. Can Roma handle the speed and the and the and the overlaps and the overloads of Napoli's wing play? I don't think so. I don't think Mkhitaryan. I don't think uh, whoever plays on Roma's right. It's not going to be Zaniolo. So who would it be for Roma? It would be it would probably Perez, Shomurodov. Yeah, Shomurodov, Perez. So the defensive presence won't be there between those guys, even if Al Sharawi maybe even right. So. None of those guys play are true defenders. And I think Napoli, if Roma don't do a job of trying to keep their wing backs back and they allow Napoli's wing backs to get up the field and cause those overloads, I think you're going to see Vignafi starting, whoever it is, Carzo, but it doesn't matter. You're going to see a lot of trouble in Roma's defense. And I think they can be picked apart. They'll make mistakes because the pressure will be on them and Napoli will get a goal that way. But if Roma, like I said, they can pin back Napoli's defense, integrate the wings a little bit more, beat Napoli on the wings, they could take this win and and score on a on a set piece. I think that's where Roma's biggest advantage is on on a corner set piece. Napoli can be beat in the air. They're not the biggest team. And Roma do have some big big boys in their squad. What do you think, Christian? Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. I think the wing play, Napoli's wing play is going to destroy Roma. I, Karsdorp and Vigna won't be able to handle it. We all know it's going to be Karsdorp and Vigna anyways because Jose Mourinho is so bloody predictable. Sticks with his starting 11, that's it. Is Zaniolo going to be healthy enough? I don't know. Uh, if not, then it's probably going to be Carlos Perez. It might be El Shadawi. Who knows who Mourinho will stick on the right side or Shomorodov. The big thing for me is you're going to have Tammy Abraham up top and Tammy Abraham doesn't score against teams like this. He scores against farmers, farmer clubs. So you're not going to have your goal score. The only goal you're going to get if you're Roma, like you said, is from a set piece from Lorenzo Pellegrini. That's really the only guy that's going to score because Tammy Abraham is not a clinical finisher for me. He is a $40 million plug. And for me, I think that Roma are not there yet. I'm very frustrated in watching them. I think they're going to give Napoli a fight. But Napoli, at the end of the day, are going to show their class and they're going to win this game. Napoli is going to be Rome in Rome. And there's your statement if Napoli are for real this season. So for me, Napoli win this game. Let's move on to the other game, the Derby dell'Italia. Derby d'Italia. This is the fixture Inter won the Scudetto off of last season. I, I believe Inter live or die by results against Juve. <laughs> really bad. It feels um, like it. The last time they played Juve won 3 2. End of the season was a nothing game. But the first time they met last season, Inter won. It was a game that said, We're here. We're here to challenge the champs, the defending champs, and we're the new boys in town. And it was a huge morale boost. And when you saw how it changed everything for them, and I think Simone Inzaghi, a manager that struggles against Juve 2 with his record, he needs this victory to cement in his head that he is a legit title contender this year. Uh, Juve. Like we said, no surprises here. We know what they bring. Two uh, banks of four, two fast guys in Moise Kienkiewicz is a very hard to deal with. No true target man in that formation, but what it does is it pins back your, your center backs. 
Inter like to play three center backs. So you're going to create a bit of a gap there. So Brozovic is going to be the key guy. Someone I really don't rate. I think he he doesn't provide enough in games for me. But I hope you can prove me wrong in the Derby d'Italia. Uh, Inter-wise, they struggle against guys like Chiesa and Keane. They struggle against guys that like to run at them and cause and and and, and force one-on-one plays like we saw Felipe Anderson do in the, in the Lazio game. He caused them boatloads of trouble. Pedro too. So that's going to be a huge part of the game. Can Chiesa and Keen isolate that defense, like I already said, and get those those one-on-one situations. Um, Inter, we know what they're about too. They're, they love to attack. Very dangerous going forward. Can score tons of goals. They, they can score tons of goals is a key word because they don't. They create tons of chances, but their finishing is a bit lackluster. They don't score sometimes when it matters. They don't know how to put a game away yet. Something they're going to have to do against Juve, and they're not going to get too many chances. Uh, Juve, we'll see. I mean, that's really going to be all they're going to bring to the table is it's going to be that solid defense and counterattack. And it's going to be how does Inter deal with that? I hope, like I said, you got to break down Juve by using the wings. Napoli gave you the blueprint. Just kind of repeat it. You have to isolate Chiellini and Bonucci. You got to isolate them one-on-one. Don't allow them to defend with another four or eight guys around them. You got to spread this team out. Cuadrado really tests his defensive capabilities. He's great going forward, but no one really pushes him defensively. Push him. Pin him back in the defensive end. Dishilio, like I said, if he starts, go after him. The guy hasn't played against top opposition in, in years. Show him what it is like to play against top opposition. And go after their midfield. Juve's midfield, too, is, uh, is a little bit weak. So if they're caught in the mind of, oh, this... We're not really being contested here, and they get spread out to the, the wings. You have the central open. So enter the key to the game is the wing play again. You're going to go through the middle. You're going to lose. You have to utilize the wings. So whoever it is, uh, if it's Perisic, Darmian, uh, Federico, Di Marco, whoever it is, that wing battle has to be won in order to beat Juve. And Juve, all they got to do to win their game, the key for them success-wise is patience, Wait for Inter to press and kill them in the one-on-one battles. If Juve do that, they'll beat Inter easily as well. So for me, that's kind of what that game rides on in the Derby d'Italia. What do you think? Well, I think what matters is what dictates who's going to win this game is who scores first. And I think if Inter, Inter needs to score first to win this game, and the reason why is because if Inter scores first and puts that pressure on Juve and takes them out of their comfort zone, then I think Juventus, Juventus team is going to panic. Then they're going to start pushing. They're going to start pressing, which is very not. It's very unlike uh, Max Allegri to do. And they're going to leave those gaps. And they're going to leave Chiellini and Bonucci exposed. And that's when Inter can counterattack and run away with this game. I think if Inter scores first, they're going to win this game 2-3-0. Hands down. But if Juve scores first, Juve will go into their shell. And we know how Inter are with capitalizing on their chances so far this season. Hasn't been great. Create a ton of opportunities, but just cannot finish the bloody ball and can't put it in the back of the net. So I think if Juve scores first, I think whoever scores first is going to win this game, hands down. This game doesn't have draw. It's a win game. It's an absolute win game. So um, that's that's my opinion of this game. I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a fantastic game. And I really think if Inter, to give Inter that confidence and go out and score first in front of your home crowd, 
You got to go in first on Wednesday, get some momentum, beat the hell out of Sharif, and then take care of Juventus. That's my opinion of it. So. That's everything. This that's was, everything. Yeah, it's a bit of a long podcast, but, you know, it's detailed. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoy it. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of football. It's kind of thick football. and fast. Yeah. And the games, and we're at a critical point in the season where every fixture matters. So that's why we go into the detail we do. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you know, things are gonna, teams are gonna get bumped out of Europe. You know, things are gonna slowly calm down in the second half of the season. So this is just why, yeah, it's it's hugely critical right now. But that sums up everything for this week's podcast. We thank you, as always, for giving us your support by listening to us. Um, again, follow us on Twitter at Radio Tifosi. Juliana put some really good tweets out there. So <laughs> they're really nice. Um, check us out on Instagram, Tifosi underscore football underscore radio. Facebook, Tifosi football radio. Uh, email Tifosi football radio at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe and like to our videos. That would We, we always appreciate the support. We, we love all the love we're getting. And uh, we can't wait to come back next week and do this because... You know the ta- those two last two games. I mean, the table is gonna probably table might shift. Like it, it, it's a huge week for for City. Yeah, the bottom and the top might shift. Yeah, it's, like, it's pivotal. Some team seasons can literally. I know it's maybe a bit dramatic to say that, but yeah, I I believe it. Some team seasons can literally end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as of uh, round nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Until next time, yeah, yeah, ciao ragazzi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ciao ragazzi.